This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation. I'd like to welcome you to today's Bright Focus chat, Cataracts and AMD. Today's speaker is Joshua Deneyev, an assistant professor at the Department of Ophthalmology at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. If his name sounds familiar to you, we've been fortunate to have him on a few previous chats, and he also writes articles on our website, brightfocus.org. Right. For, for those of you that are uh, new to it, to our chat, thank you for joining us. I want to tell you a little bit about Bright Focus and why we're here today. Bright Focus funds some of the top researchers in the world. We support scientists who are trying to find cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. We share the latest news from these scientists with families who are impacted by these diseases. We have a number of free publications. We'll mention a few of them today th- during the call, and plenty of material on our website, brightfocus.org that offer tips for living with diseases such as macular degeneration. Today's Bright Focus chat is one way of sharing the latest news from science with families. So today we're talking about cataracts. Over 3 million Americans have cataract surgery each year, and Bright Focus receives many questions about age-related macular degeneration, AMD, and cataracts. And many boil down to to very common question about can, how do my cataracts affect AMD and vice versa. So to start, Dr. Janaev, could you tell us a little bit about cataracts? Sure, Michael. Uh, Happy to be with you again. Um, So cataracts are cloudiness of the lens inside the eye. So the eye, kind of like a camera, has, has a lens that focuses the light. And over time, the lens can become cloudy, and that blocks the light. So that makes it more difficult to read street signs, to see in the distance, to read up close. It can be a little different from person to person. For some people, uh, they may see halos around lights or glare. For other people, things just look darker and more difficult to read. Now, how do cataracts form? Over time, there's some damage to the lens caused by free radicals primarily. There are proteins in the lens, beautiful proteins called crystallins, that Normally, as their name suggests, keep the lens crystal clear. But free radical damage can cause those to to attach to each other, and that causes the lens to become cloudy. And that damage typically doesn't get repaired. Is that something that would show up, uh, that, that damage you mentioned, would that show up as a symptom or a warning sign? Yeah, so it becomes more difficult uh, to read or or to drive to see street signs or read things up close or, again, you'll, patients will see glare or, or a halos. And the ophthalmologist can see this. When you go to an ophthalmologist and you get an exam at the uh, slit lamp, which is the device where you have to put your chin on the strap and your forehead uh, against the strap, that device allows the ophthalmologist to look into the eye and see the cataract and see how cloudy the lens is. Yeah. Hmm. I know when you've been with us on previous chats, we've, we've talked about the intersection of lifestyle and diet with um, macular degeneration. I was wondering, um, is there a lifestyle and, and diet impact on cataracts that maybe pre- might help you prevent getting them or uh, 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 maybe make them not as bad? Well, it's known that ultraviolet light can get into the eye and, uh, and hit the lens and cause some of this 
uh, free radical damage to the lens. So sunglasses that block uh, ultraviolet light or even regular glasses that have ultraviolet blocking coating added to them uh, probably would reduce the risk or progression of uh, of cataracts. Yeah. It's also likely that eating a healthy diet rich in fruits and vegetables would decrease the risk of cataracts, although there's less evidence proving that. That's just kind of intuitive. Yeah, that's interesting. And I know in the past we've talked about how macular degeneration is age-related. Um, are cataracts age-related? Yes, they are. Uh, it's uh, very unusual for uh, younger people to have cataracts and uh, very common among uh, people in their, uh, say, 70s and 80s on up. Um, there are some things that can cause cataracts in younger people or uh, cause them to progress more rapidly in older people. Uh, so those include uh, steroid use. So people who have to take steroid medicines, either as eye drops or uh, pills, can have uh, a specific type of cataract uh, develop. Also, oh, people, who are, people who are diabetic are more likely to get cataracts earlier uh, because of the high blood sugar. Hmm. That's that interesting. Some, uh, that causes the blood sugar causes some changes to the lens. Yeah, well, it sounds like good things to 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 share with your share with your physicians. Um, and related to that, is is there a genetic risk for cataracts? Well, there are uh, some genes that can cause even babies to get cataracts, oh. and um, those those would be important to look out for uh, among children or grandchildren. Uh, what you'd see when you when you take a picture, uh, you know, you see that red uh, reflex. In the pupil, the, you know, yeah. the pupil looks red, and there are even some cameras that have kind of a red eye reduction function to try to reduce that. But that's that's an indicator that uh, that the lens is clear. If the lens is cloudy because of uh, a, a mutation in a gene that affects the lens, then the pupil will look white. And it, it's very important to notice that in babies because that cataract needs to be removed. Uh, quickly in order for the visual system to develop properly. Oh. Oh, that's no, that's very, very helpful. I appreciate that. And the, so the, the, the recurring question we get here all the time um, is, do cataracts make someone's AMD worse? Or does someone, and, and also then the other direction, does someone's AMD make their cataracts worse? Yeah, I get that yeah. question a lot. And um, they both make the vision worse but independent of each other. So the cataract defense affects the lens, which is just inside the eye in the front part of the eye, and AMD affects the retina in the back of the eye. So there are two distinct diseases affecting two distinct parts of the eye, and all the evidence points to these two diseases not impacting each other. Uh, however, when a patient has both cataracts and AMD, both of those diseases can reduce the vision. Yeah. And removing the cataract may improve vision in somebody who has AMD uh, by letting more light into the eye. That's, 
That's good to know. And we've already started to get uh, questions in today and um, that are related to how to get cataracts treated. And um, Elizabeth uh, of Massachusetts was wondering, um, you know, is it true that, that you cannot get cataract surgery while also having treatments for wet AMD? Um, no, it is possible to have cataract surgery uh, while getting treatments for wet AMD. Um, so the standard of care for wet AMD is to get injections into the eye, uh, usually every four to six weeks, with a medication that blocks a protein called VEGF. Uh, there are three different medications that are currently used. There's uh, Lucentis, Ilea, and Abastin. And uh, as far as clinical trials show, they all uh, work similarly well to each other. Uh, patients who are getting these injections can actually have cataract surgery. Uh, the timing of the cataract surgery is important to consider uh, both with the cataract surgeon and with the retina doctor uh, who's giving the injections. So it's uh, one, one line of thinking is that it's good to have the cataract surgery about one week before the next injection. Okay. Um, so that way the cataract surgery isn't diluting out medication that uh, uh, was, was put in um, and also, the uh, levels of the medication are on the low side at the time of the cataract surgery. And theoretically, med the medication might uh, affect healing after the cataract surgery. So um, I think probably one week, having the cataract surgery one week before the next injection uh, is a good strategy. Thank you. Uh, another question we have is, is wondering about, is about cataract surgery itself. Is there a difference between um, uh, cataract surgery versus removal by, um, by laser? Yeah, so uh, cataract surgery for the past several decades uh, has been done uh, with a technique called phacoemulsification, uh, which is a fancy word uh, for ultrasound, a device bringing ultrasound energy uh, into the eye. So what happens as the cataract develops is the lens becomes hard. And in order to remove it, it's necessary to uh, break it up into little pieces. Hmm. And that can be done with this ultrasound energy. And the little pieces are then uh, actually vacuumed out of the eye uh, with, with this tiny device. There's a new approach that involves a laser that can uh, fragment the lens. And uh, lasers sounds like a fancy thing, and uh, it may in eventually uh, lead to better outcomes. But as far as we can tell at this point, there's no difference in outcomes between the phaco emulsification approach and the laser approach. That's good. That's good to know. Now, kind of related to that, when patients, another question we've got, when patients are working with their doctor um, about when or if to have cataract surgery, is there a certain, is there sort of general guidelines indicating at what stage of growth of cataracts is the right time to do the surgery? Yeah, I mean, my patients will often ask me, are my cataracts ripe? And what I'll say to that is, um, well, how does your vision feel to you? Uh, can you drive? Can you read? 
can you do the things that you need to do with your current vision? So that applies to somebody with macular degeneration or even without macular degeneration uh, who has cataracts. Cataract surgery is generally very safe. It's uh, among the, the safest surgeries that can be done, but there's still a, uh, a risk. It's very small, but there is a risk. So if a patient doesn't need cataract surgery, uh, we, we don't do it. So the, the need, again, is really defined by the patient in terms of what, what you need to do for your activities of daily life. Now, for somebody with AMD, that question becomes a little bit more complicated because I can see a cataract with, uh, in my exam with slit lamp, and I can see macular degeneration in the retina, but I don't necessarily always know how much of the vision problem, the vision loss experienced by the patient is coming from the cataract, the cloudy lens, versus the degeneration in the retina. So one technique that I find very helpful is something called the potential acuity meter, or a PAM. So a PAM is a, an ingenious device that is able to project an eye chart through a cataract onto the retina. And if the patient can read that eye chart, that's a good indication that the retina is in pretty good shape and the lens is actually the problem. That's what's blocking a lot of the vision. One caveat is that some types of cataracts um, cannot be uh, penetrated by that uh, PAM device. Mm -hmm. So if I see that a patient can read the eye chart well with the PAM, then I know that uh, the vision would improve after cataract surgery. If the vision, the patient can't read the eye chart well with the PAM, that doesn't necessarily mean um, that the uh, problem isn't the cataract. There are some cataracts that don't let the PAM light through. Um, so uh, it's only helpful under uh, some circumstances. Hmm. And in the other circumstances, I just have to use my judgment based on how the cataract appears when I examine it at the slit lamp, how cloudy is it, uh, where is the uh, cloudiness within the lens, and what does the retina look like, uh, how much degeneration does it have. Hmm. Well, that's great. It's very helpful, Bob. Uh, Dr. Nave, just a few, a few more questions to wrap up the topic of surgery. Um, if the cataracts are in both eyes, are both is, is the surgery done at both eyes on the same time, or how does... Uh, how would that work? No, typically not. Um, we think that it's safer to do the cataract surgery one eye at a time. Again, the surgery is, is very, very safe, but uh, we think that it's probably even safer if it's done one eye at a time, just in case there's uh, some problem that uh, that occurs. We don't want that to affect both eyes. Yeah, that sounds Makes makes good sense. Um, and kind of the last question for now on the surgery, uh, kind of a two-part question. Uh, how quickly does the surgery, does somebody heal after cataract surgery? And then um, can the cataracts regrow afterwards at a later date? Yeah, good questions. Um, so modern surgical techniques for cataract removal are really uh, miraculous. Uh, it used to be that uh, back when my dad was an ophthalmologist, patients had to stay in the hospital for a week with their head between sandbags 
because oh they couldn't couldn't move their head for fear that they would um, disrupt the uh, the eye. Uh, now the procedure is done through a tiny little incision, uh, and that is possible because when a uh, when a replacement replacement lenses are put into the eye after the cloudy uh, cataract lens is removed, and that replacement lens is made out of plastic or silicon, and it's uh, folded up and put through this tiny incision and then unfolded inside the eye. So that helps keep the incision so small. And because of those advances, recovery can be remarkably quick. Uh, some patients may see, notice an improvement in their vision even the day after the surgery. Uh, the, um, the eye is considered uh, pretty well healed about four to six weeks after the, the surgery. Um, and then you ask, can cataracts regrow? And um, the answer is that they can, in a sense. So the plastic lens that's implanted in the eye uh, can get covered uh, by uh, cells in kind of a healing response. And those cells can cause the plastic lens can be, to become cloudy. So yeah. in uh, some patients, it's necessary to do a quick and painless laser procedure uh, to remove those cells that have grown onto the plastic lens. Uh, oh, thank you. And we have a few questions that are related to um, the impact on, uh, on AMD after surgery. Um, specifically, Joe from Alabama was wondering... Um, does AMD worsen after cataract surgery, or how, how common of a, of a situation would that be where the AMD uh, is, is worsens after surgery? Uh, there is no evidence that cataract surgery worsens AMD. There have mm -hmm. been a number of clinical trials on that issue, and the largest, most definitive clinical trials, including the age-related eye disease study, have concluded that Cataract surgery does not make AMD worse. It does not increase the risk of uh, vision loss from AMD. Great. Appreciate that. And so just um, you know, getting back to the AMD cataract surgery, does, is there any difference if, if, it, the, if the AMD is wet or dry in terms of whether you have cataract surgery? Um, no. So um, regardless of whether the AMD is wet or dry, there's uh, no evidence that cataract surgery uh, makes the situation worse. Um, as we discussed a little bit earlier, when it's, the AMD is wet, it's a little bit trickier to figure out the timing of the cataract surgery, and that needs to be coordinated between the cataract surgeon and the retina specialist mm -hmm. in, in terms of when they feel the cataract surgery is safest relative to the injection schedule. Yeah. No, that's good to know. And uh, we hear people talk about that they might have a, a hole in their eye and, and if they could have cataract surgery. Explain a little bit more about what, what people mean when they say they have a hole in their eye and how that would relate to cataracts. Yeah, so um, what we're talking about is a macular hole, which is a different disease from AMD. Um, it happens in uh, some people when the jelly in the center of the eye, the vitreous jelly, uh, tugs on, on the retina, and that causes some tractional forces that uh, eventually lead to the uh, formation of, uh, of a hole, uh, right, unfortunately, in the center of the macula. So that can potentially uh, be very disruptive to vision. 
so for patients with a macular hole, um, they are uh, followed by the ophthalmologist, the retina specialist. They have images taken called optical coherence tomography or OCT images, which give us a beautiful cross-section view of the retina showing exactly where the hole is and how big it is, enabling us to follow the uh, progression of the hole over, the, over time. If the hole gets big enough and interferes with the vision enough, then there's a macular hole repair surgery that can be done, uh, and that involves uh, taking out the vitreous jelly in the center of the eye and peeling cells off the retina sometimes that are causing those tractional forces, and then usually putting uh, gas into the retina that helps to uh, seal the hole. It's, the gas eventually reabsorbs, uh, but it puts some pressure on the retina for um, some period of weeks as, uh, as the hole is healing. Uh, and how does this relate to cataracts? Many times um, the uh, surgery for a macular hole will uh, cause cataracts to advance. So uh, sometimes cataract surgery is done at the same time as the macular hole surgery, uh, and if not, it will usually need to be done within a couple of years of the surgery because the uh, cataracts are likely to progress after the surgery. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to know. Um, we have a few questions about the looking forward to the future. So, Dr. Janaev, I know you've... you've um, you're very experienced uh, in, in the field of research. And I just want to ask you, are there any promising treatments or research developments on the horizon that would be helpful to either prevent or treat cataracts or maybe to prevent or treat AMD? Like what is the, what's the future hold for uh, research on this? On these? Yes, um, I think the future is very exciting and promising for uh, new treatments. Uh, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, but I first want to mention um, one thing about the type of lens that's implanted for people uh, with macular degeneration who are having cataract surgery. Um, so there are a couple of um, special types of plastic lenses that can be implanted during cataract surgery. Uh, one of these is called a multifocal lens. So this is a lens that enables people to see at all distances without reading glasses. Um, and that may sound good, and it could be for some people, but it really is not good for people with macular degeneration uh, because the multifocal lens decreases the amount of light that you see coming from any distance. And that is bad for somebody with macular degeneration who already has a problem uh, with light sensitivity. So I do not recommend the multifocal lens for somebody with macular degeneration. Another Great. type of lens option is a yellow-tinted lens. A yellow-tinted lens blocks blue light. And there is some evidence that blue light can be toxic to the retina. Uh, this is primarily from uh, studies in, uh, in mice or in um, cells grown in uh, culture plastic dishes. Uh, and a little bit of epidemiological evidence suggesting that uh, blue light may be damaging. So these... These yellow-tinted lenses uh, are an option uh, for uh, potentially protecting uh, the retinas in people with macular degeneration. I, uh, I do favor these uh, yellow-tinted lenses, but um, it, that's not, uh, necess not necessarily the um, standard of care. It's not the standard of care for macular degeneration. There's differences of opinion about the... Uh, the, the yellow-tinted lenses to block blue light. Okay, so now on to uh, research uh, developments. So for macular degeneration, 
the thing that I'm most excited about at the moment is um, a drug called lampalizumab, uh, which is in a phase three trial uh, for patients. Uh, currently, it's being tested for patients with the advanced dry form of macular degeneration called geographic atrophy. Mm-hmm. And what that drug does is it blocks a part of the immune system within the eye called the complement cascade. And there's good evidence that the complement cascade plays an important role in macular degeneration. So sometime this year, we're going to find out the results of this uh, phase three trial. And uh, so we'll see if uh, complement uh, blockade could be helpful for people with the geographic atrophy form of macular degeneration. And if it is, I would expect that additional trials would uh, look at whether complement blockade uh, could be protective in in, uh, other forms of macular degeneration, either earlier macular degeneration where patients uh, are not so symptomatic or in uh, wet macular degeneration. Uh, Or, uh, yeah, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, just to say, we had a question. Charlene from Virginia was wondering if there's any progress, new progress about stem cells in AMD. Good question, Charlene. Uh, So uh, I'm happy to say that there is. Uh, So um, stem cells can be derived uh, either from uh, from human embryos uh, or in a a really wonderful um, new new discovery, they can be generated from a patient's own skin cells. So skin cells can be reprogrammed to become... Um, more uh, like an embryo in that the cells can have the potential to develop into any cell type. And then they can be coaxed through the right cocktail of of growth factors uh, to become retinal cells. And several human clinical trials have now shown that stem cells can be transplanted into the eye and um, in a small group of patients, this um, has appeared to be safe. And more than that, the um, stem cells have persisted uh, in the eye for as long as a year. So so that shows that the stem cells aren't being at least immediately rejected uh, by the recipient's eye, that there may be some uh, potential for them to persist for for a number of of years. And the, the... The stem cell approach that I'm most excited about involves uh, a treatment for, uh, to replace cells called retinal pigment epithelial cells. So those cells are support cells that, that help the retina. And they can be grown on a, on a plastic sheet, and that plastic sheet can be rolled up and uh, inserted under the retina and then unrolled under the retina and when that is done, the cells can persist in that position uh, for, for quite some time. And it's likely that those cells would then support the function of the uh, very important photoreceptor cells in the retina. Uh, wow. So there are some um, clinical trials now uh, with stem cells, and uh, uh, I think there's uh, good reason to be optimistic that um, – that, that some of them will be helpful. Yeah, that is fantastic. And that's exactly, I just want to turn to a couple of questions about clinical trials. Um, 
Uh, I feel like clinical trials is a phrase that everybody's heard of, but not you know people don't always understand um, what they entail. And um, kind of just another uh, mention of a free publication here at Bright Focus. Um, this came out a couple months ago. We put together something called Clinical Trials: Your Questions Answered. So, Dr. Nay, if we talked about a lot of that great progress um, that came through clinical trials, are there clinical trials where, where persons with cataracts can participate in? Um, there is a uh, an approach now that's being tested uh, to see if an antioxidant eye drop uh, can slow the uh, progression or halt the yeah. progression of, uh, of cataracts. Uh, this uh, eye drop is called lipoic acid, uh, mm-hmm. and um, as I said, it's an antioxidant, and that blocks some of the free radical damage uh, to the crystalline lens proteins. Um, so I'll be very interested to see uh, whether that approach might uh, might be helpful for people yeah. who have uh, early stage cataract in order to either slow or arrest the uh, the progression of the cataracts. Yeah, that's that's interesting. On, on previous uh, Bright Focus chats, we we've had reference to a, a teles uh, a kind of a miniature telescope that's that's implanted um, for AMD. I was wondering. Um, we recently heard that, that there'll be a clinical trial on that. Is that something that, that um, you can tell us a little bit about? Yeah, so these um, implantable miniature telescopes are, uh, are interesting. Um, patients with uh, AMD uh, may, may lose function in part of the retina, uh, but still will, uh, will actually often have um, function retained in other parts of the retina. And uh, those healthy parts of the retina can be better used if an image is magnified. So traditionally, uh, patients with advanced AMD are given some form of magnification to help them read. Um, This could be in the form of glasses uh, that magnify things uh, or uh, special electronic devices that you can wear on your head that uh, make things quite large or um, devices that look like uh, computers or television sets, closed-circuit televisions uh, that, that make uh, print uh, quite large. Uh, there are also devices that you can wear on your glasses uh, that, that um, will enable you to see something more distant at uh, higher magnification, uh, little telescopes. An implantable miniature telescope is, is a telescope that's put into, inside the eye, and uh, it replaces the natural lens of the eye. So we are talking before about the process of cataract surgery involving uh, removal of the cloudy lens uh, that you're born with and uh, replacing it with a uh, clear plastic lens. So with the implantable miniature telescope, instead of replacing it with a, uh, one of our traditional clear plastic lenses, it's replaced with a, uh, with a little device that's actually a telescope. And that results in uh, a magnified image uh, being focused onto the retina. And again, the advantage of that is that uh, patients with macular degeneration can generally read better if, if the image is magnified. Mm-hmm. There are some uh, pros and cons because that uh, device limits the, um, the visual, limits the side vision. It limits the visual field that can be seen by that eye. Um, now, the other eye doesn't get a telescope, so the other eye can still be used for the side vision. So this is really only for certain patients who can tolerate uh, losing their side vision in, in one eye. Uh, there's also some loss of depth perception uh, because 
you need to have um, two eyes functioning for, for good depth perception. So patients who are being considered for uh, an implantable miniature telescope, an IMT, uh, are first given simulations over a period of weeks. So they would see what it will look like when they actually have the device implanted and see if they're uh, going to like that or, or not. Um, now, the clinical trial that you just mentioned, Michael, uh, is to see if patients who have already had cataract surgery with that plastic, with a traditional plastic lens implanted um, could have the plastic lens removed and the implantable miniature telescope swapped in uh, into, it, into the eye in its place. Uh, in the past, this uh, IMT has only been used in people who have not had cataract surgery before and um, are just having their... Uh, their natural lens replaced. Um, so th the reason that uh, th this swap hasn't been done before is that it's safer to to put the the IMT into an eye that has never had cataract surgery before because it's a, it's more technically challenging to remove a plastic lens that has already been implanted into the eye. Uh, than, uh, than it is to remove the uh, natural lens. Um, so surgeons who are highly skilled and trained in um, this lens removal and replacement are going to be doing uh, this uh, clinical trial, and uh, we'll see if um, it's safe enough uh, to, to be able to, uh, to, to, to approve that for uh, many patients who have already had cataract surgery. Well, that's, that's great. I appreciate you updating our listeners on that. And Dr. Nay, I'd just like to, to conclude with your sort of big picture thoughts. I know you've got a lot of experience working uh, with patients in the clinic and, and also on kind of the, the, the cutting edge of research. I was wondering if you had sort of a big picture thought about, um, you know, what patients should, should know about their vision health or is there a common um, misnomer or myth that people come into your office about? Or do you have any sort of a, a, an overall final thought about, about these topics? Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking that, Michael. Uh, a lot of patients come into my office um, justifiably uh, terrified that they're going to uh, become blind from macular degeneration. And um, a lot of times I can reassure them that that's not the case uh, for several reasons. First of all, Patients with the early stage of macular degeneration, which is uh, detected by the ophthalmologist as the presence of little white dots in the retina called drusen, uh, mm -hmm. may never progress to late macular degeneration. And if, that, if that's the case, then they're uh, likely to keep good vision for their entire life, good central vision. And actually, most patients with drusen uh, do not progress to late macular degeneration. It's only a subset who uh, progress to late macular degeneration. And the risk of progressing can um, be determined by your ophthalmologist based on the number of drusen and the size of the drusen. Uh, then for patients who do progress to late macular degeneration, there are two forms of the disease. One is wet and one is geographic atrophy. And uh, with the wet form, uh, patients used to usually lose their central vision. But fortunately, due to the advent of these anti-VEGF injections that came out about 10 years ago, many patients 
with wet macular degeneration uh, maintain pretty good central vision uh, for uh, quite a few years. Uh, for the people who develop geographic atrophy, that usually progresses. The area of atrophy enlarges, although slowly over the course of several years. And uh, for those patients, uh, there's a lot of intensive research being done, um, supported by the National Institutes of Health and foundations, uh, to try to develop new drugs to uh, slow the growth of that uh, atrophy or stop it, uh, or to replace cells that have died, uh, potentially with stem cells. Um, so there, I think there's there's a lot of hope on the horizon that there will be treatments to offer uh, patients with geographic atrophy. Well, that's great. Well, I appreciate it. It's a very helpful way to, to end today's conversation. And, and to our listeners, I um, hope you found a lot of the information from Dr. Janaev helpful and always a lot to, to keep track of. So if it helps you uh, be better informed and better ask questions at your next doctor's visit. And uh, uh, Dr. Janaev, just want to thank you very much for, for your generosity. And, and I think you gave our listeners a lot of good, good things to know about. Also, I think some, some hope for the future. Um, so appreciate your, your time today. Absolutely. My pleasure, Michael. All right. And to our listeners, thank you very much for joining us today. On behalf of everybody at Bright Focus and Dr. Janaeus, I want to thank you for, for being with us today. Thanks. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.